feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? everybody and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes, I don't know, what do, uh, we go out and do things. Oh my god, guys. Like, okay, so Austin and I are still very much in the club of wear your masks when you go places and things like that, but we have gone out and done stuff over the last couple of weeks. We did one of those, like, you know, painting and drinking things. I can't remember if that was before or after the last episode. I don't I don't know. But we did a blacklight cow going into a spaceship, except I did Mothman and he did he says FBI agent, I say Michael Jackson. It looks nothing like Michael Jackson. It looks exactly like Michael Jackson in that oh God, I'm blanking on which performance it is, but it's got like the the black suit and the white shirt, and he's doing like a little Michael Jackson dance move. I love it. I love the idea of it being Michael Jackson. Smooth Criminal is what you're thinking about. No, Smooth Criminal, he wore a different color. It was reverse okay. white and black, but there's... I'm, I looked it up. I'm blanking on it. That's okay. But he won our competition. We always yeah. do a competition on that. Um... If you've been watching our TikTok, you've seen that I'm still posting stuff because I have way too much fun on there for a millennial. And we got our HVAC replaced, a uh, furnace and air conditioner. Yeah. So if you want to see our cats uh, in a blanket fort we created for them that I worked from for the day, that's on it's our like TikTok. She got to live the dream of working in a blanket fort. It's not fair. Yeah, there are two videos. There's one of the blanket fort and me like, look what we did. The other of our cat, Zumbie, making a daring escape. (laughs) So, uh, and then last night, two nights ago, we went to a party. With people. And it was a costume party, which I was so excited. And I, for the first time ever, did eyebrow blocking, um, which I definitely work on. You've, you've seen me, you know, I've got black eyebrows on vampire pale skin. Um, so I did it. I did the soap method this time. I'm going to try glue sticks next time, but I've been growing out my sad late nineties eyebrows for three years now. They're finally at least growing in. So the glue stick worries me, but the drag queens say it's okay. Cause I was Ursula from little mermaid and who is based on a drag queen. Of course. Yeah. And Austin was Flotsam and Jetsam, which I had, was brilliant. I had long gloves and I put googly eyes and fins on. It was great. It was great. Um, believe it or not, because he doesn't talk about it a lot, Austin is actually a really good artist. I'm all, I'm all right. And like he's taking some additional art classes, but that was like props and costume stuff. Like it was very cool to this theater person, this props master over here. So I really dug it. It's so funny. While I was making them, she said, yeah, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Why don't you do this? You have to do this. It's like. <laughs> I was not. You asked me for my input. I didn't. Yes, you did. You were like, how can I make the fins stand up? And you ended up going in a different direction and it worked. Yeah. The only thing I was like, hot glue, Austin. Hot glue is your friend. And the eye googly eyes didn't stay on. But he did something really cool to make one eye yellow on each of them. Mm -hmm. And I think if we hot glue those on, you have like a ready to go costume in case we have a last minute costume emergency. We we have those shockingly often. We really do. Um, We are costume people. I am. Austin, when I first got together, he was like, I hate Halloween. I hate costumes. I don't want to do this. And I was like, "Um, if you're going to be with me, you Uh, got to get with with my my costume. (laughs) Um, But now we do like. 
really, I think, pretty good costumes yeah. uh, together. Uh, my favorite is still I was Steve Harrington and he was um, Dustin. Dustin from Stranger Things, which they keep promising us is coming back. It will someday. Um, and the other thing that we've been doing is watching Is It Cake? I love it. I had a dream last night. It was like a legit nightmare that Is It Cake was still on, but for some reason, Mikey Day, the host, was gone, and they had to just keep going without a host, like the that Oscars work tried. without a host. Oh, that's the oh, other thing. Speak, that's, we don't even need to We're not going to get that. into it, but the Oscars happened between last time and this time. Oh, boy. And I have a friend who should have been nominated for an Oscar, and I'm not making that up. Like, she worked on a documentary that was winning all the awards and then was suddenly not up for an Oscar, and she yeah. even posted, she's like... So that was kind of overshadowed. Yeah. And then him making the uh, quest love and three white guys when they one of them for sure wasn't white. And I would I don't know if the other two identify as white or not. But I was yeah. like, Chris Rock, Chris, it's been 20 years, although Chris Rock hasn't written a new joke in this millennium. Yeah, let's just be completely honest. Um, And I don't blame Will Smith. I'm not saying it was the right move. I just understand yeah. where he was coming from. Yeah. All right, you ready to get started? Because we are on a time crunch. Yes, Austin's playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Not at this second. That'd be cool. No, though. I am playing right now. This is my character. I am a second level podcast host. <laughs> second level, man. You leveled up. I did. I'm still back here on first level. I don't even have a good spell yet. And she's, more importantly, she's not even a, she's not even a, she's, but she's like a fifth level editor. So. Fifth level. Uh, and I don't do the podcast editing. Austin does. Yeah. I do the I do the writing editing. I need to get back on the website. Anyway, go. All right. So I'm going to call you out immediately because Maddie never learned Kansas history in school. Okay, not in school, but when I was an aide, my when I was 22, I did help my students with a full year of Kansas history. And but but to be fair in her defense, most people don't learn Kansas history. And frankly, there's not a lot to learn when it comes to Kansas history. It's like we got college basketball and we got John Brown and that's it. Uh, we had a thriving jazz scene and there's actually an argument that maybe it started here and not New Orleans. Ooh. But there is a historical figure we don't learn about and I think we should. So are we talking about a Clara Looper, Clara Looper kind of thing or oh, no. the opposite? The, I would say the opposite of Clara Looper. But he was a doctor. He was a businessman. He was an inventor. And a politician. He was also a complete and total fraud. I love how often you cover, like, fraudulent medical practitioners on this show. Well, it's, I mean, I'm going to get into it at the end, but, oh boy, things never change. So I'm going to talk about John R. Brinkley. Okay. Uh, John Romulus Brinkley <laughs> was born on July 8th, 1885 in North Carolina. Now, his father was a former Confederate medic, and that might have been what encouraged John to become a doctor. So, anyway, he, like, went through his childhood. He did normal, like, go-getter, like, turn-of-the-century kid things. Like, I was, I delivered mail between towns when I graduated high school at 16. I was the best at hoop and stick. Then I learned how to do telegraphs. And, but then after that, a while, he did get married, and he moved to Chicago in 1907, with his wife and his infant daughter, and enrolled in the Bennett Medical College. And and he also worked in telegraphs while he was going to medical school. Didn't H.H. Holmes do something similar? Like, didn't he go to medical school for like a hot second? Yeah. And then he was in, and he was in Chicago. Chicago is where all of the scary frauds start. It is. Something about that town. And of course, you know, he wasn't a great student, but 
it's probably because he was too busy abducting his daughter and f- fleeing to Canada to escape extradition when his wife asked for a divorce and was demanding child support. And in the early 1900s, that's a ballsy move on her part. Yeah. Uh, he eventually came back after his wife agreed to stay married to him. Gross. Which, I know this is the early 1900s, but what the actual fuck. Red flag. If he kidnaps your child and refuses to come back to America unless you agree to stay married to him, that's a red flag, ladies. Yeah, and also, though, like, that's a way to protect her kids, so I kind of get it. Although I kind of wish she had grabbed the kid and run off to Canada then. But it did kind of come back to bite him in the ass a little bit because he was unable to finish his studies at Bennett. And when he didn't pick... And he didn't pay his tuition that he owed them, so they wouldn't transfer his credit. So he couldn't transfer to another medical school. So he went to a so he purchased a diploma from a sketchy school of like of eclectic medicine in Kansas City. <laughs> and then he set up a storefront with a friend where they sold electric medicine that was from Germany that gave you a manly vigor. Electric medicine. Electric medicine. It was colored water. That they would inject into you. They would inject colored water into you? Like, what happens if you inject water into somebody? Like, and it's not, you know, the the safe, you know, you're dehydrated. It's, I mean, it's not, like, great, but it's not going to kill you. (laughs) At least at first. Yeah. And, of course, like, at the time, like, nobody really knew what electricity was because it was newfangled. It was, like, when we learned about all the various medicinal, medicinal uses they had for radiation this is similar to that. It's like you could literally sell anything that if they said like, oh, it's related to the curing powers of electricity. You could sell literally anything to people. It's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> and in a pattern you're going to see repeated frequently in my little story, uh, he, he fled and left behind a mountain of unpaid bills. Then uh, immediately after fleeing, he was hiding, trying to hide out and avoid his creditors in Memphis, Tennessee. He met his second wife, and after a lengthy four-day courtship, they got married. Are you sure this isn't somebody to whom I used to be legally related? Um, he had not divorced his first wife. Um, are we sure this is someone to whom I am not legal? I was not formally legally related, and I had to force that through. Not yeah. that this. I'm talking about anybody in particular. Oh no, no, that could be libel, slander. This is this is theoretical. Theoretical. Uh. Oh, and also, while they were on their honeymoon, uh, he got arrested for practicing medicine without a license and for writing bad checks and was extradited to North Carolina, where he had his little fraud shop set up. Uh, uh, Brinkley ended up having to pay thousands of dollars that he owed, but he managed to avoid any real time by snitching on his former business partner and blaming him for everything. Did he get stitches? Uh, Yeah, we're going to get into that. Okay. Oh, we're getting into that. Uh, And, of course, Brinkley's new father-in-law paid a majority of the debts that his new son owed, including his medical debt, his medical school debts. So he was able to complete medical school at a college (laughs) less than legit. Mm -hmm. But he went and he studied the effects of animal gland extracts on people. Quackery. He studied quackery at that same Kansas City medical school that he bought a diploma from earlier. I mean, we still have a couple of quackery schools. I was looking at them the other day like, are you kidding me? This is a completely debunked science. Yeah. Uh, shortly after that, um, Brinkley got called into military service for World War I, but was discharged after two months when he had a nervous breakdown. Nah, that'll do it. Oh, and of course, in the meantime, um, he finally able, was able to divorce his first wife roughly 10 years after she wanted to divorce him the first time. 
She has the kid, though, right? She has the kid. Okay. Yeah, so after his uh, brief military service, he uh, responded to a job posting where a town was asking for a doctor in Milford, Kansas. So they hired a doctor via newspaper ad, and they got him. So I guess, like, Craigslist listings have always been like this. Yeah. And Okay, so far, this has been a pretty wild story, by every standard. You would agree? Yeah. This was the preamble. <laughs> uh, we're just now getting to the Okay. So he's practicing medicine in this town. And by all accounts, he was actually a fairly good doctor mm-hmm. for a while. He opened a large clinic. It, he paid the, his employees well. He made house calls. And he, by all accounts, did a spectacular job treating people during the Spanish influence. But then he opened up a business where he would implant goat testicles into men's scrotums in order to cure sexual weakness. So, okay, he would, would he replace their testicles with these no, when they were in he addition? No, he would add them in. He would literally cut open, cut you open, shove a couple of ghost testicles in there, sew you up, and then you'd go about your day. Okay, even Pliny the Elder would not approve of this. No, he would not. He would be like, put testicles on a necklace to improve your virility. Yeah. But, so Pliny, Pliny, come like save that town from this guy. It's like he said it would give you the sexual energy of a young buck goat. Ew. Yeah. Super gross. By the way, he would also do the surgery for women, but because they don't have scrotums, he would just simply cut open their abdomen and just kind of shove them into the general area of their ovaries. Ew. Uh, It may shock you to learn this, but his treatment did not work. It did not increase virility or any of the things or energy or anything. It would just kind of sit there, and if you were lucky, they would kind of fall apart and dissolve and get absorbed by your body yeah if you're unlucky you die yeah it's like i'm imagining like there were some like not clean shit happening here yeah sepsis all over the place like as like the rough guest is at least 42 people died from his procedure yeah but people bought into it and he advertised well because he bought a radio station And he would have testimonials about how great his gl- his goat gland treatment was. Testicolomonials. Testicum- test- testimonials. Testimonials, but better than me. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd advertise that and a bunch of other questionable medical treatments that would pay for advertising. Uh, he even had his own popular medical show, The Medical Question Box, where people would write in with their maladies. And he, being a famous doctor who was totally qualified, would suggest a treatment. Usually with a goat, goat goat gland implants or another medicine he marketed. Okay, first of all, he was a podcaster. And secondly, he was a dangerous podcaster. And thirdly, what is with him and goats? I am concerned. Oh, that was that was the thing. It's like, look at how full of energy and like, you know, how much sex goats have. They're famous for having sex. Like Pan in mythology. I am very concerned about what he did to these goats. Oh, yeah. yeah he would. Yeah. So he was putting goat testicles in everybody. Where is he getting these goat testicles from? Goats. Well, yes, but where are the goats coming from? I don't. I have questions. I like, mean, I was like, I'm guessing like people would like grow grow goats for meat, <laughs> raise goats for meat, and like like I mean, I guess if you're going to eat a goat, there's going to be parts left over that you could just get. I don't care for this. Yeah. Uh, eventually, the law caught up with him again, and he lost his Kansas medical license for well, all of the reasons I've listed. But being a savvy businessman, he decided to run for governor of Kansas so he could appoint a medical board that would restore his medical license. So what you're saying is that he was a doctor 
in the land of Oz who ran for the highest political office and turned out to be a fraud, just like in The Wizard of Oz and a few other things that are very related to Oz. Yeah, I know. And he the, the scary thing is he almost won. He was an independent write-in candidate, and he only announced his candidacy a couple of months before the election. And he only lost because they changed the rules so that they would only accept uh, any write-in votes for him under the name of J space R space Brinkley. If they had accepted all of the other ways people had written in his name, he would have won. How awful for him. Yeah, and... To add insult to injury, he lost his radio station's license, too, because uh, the constant disinformation and lies were harmful to the health of the general public. So they were able to determine that in the mid, early mid 1900s. This was like 1920. But now we're giving the same kind of people their own TV shows. Yeah. Can you imagine a widely circulated news source actually facing consequences for spreading medical disinformation? Um, Can you imagine? I mean, some news sources have gotten in trouble for it, but not the ones with their own TV shows. Yeah. But, uh, as always, Dr. Brinkley was in luck. Mexico was willing to grant him a broadcast license out of what could only be described as pure spite. See, um, the United States had just divided up all of the radio broadcast frequencies uh, amongst American broadcasters, and they didn't allocate, allocate any to Mexico. So... They were being petty. Mm-hmm. So because, I, oh, you didn't bring us the table on this. We like, we need to use radio for stuff too. And it doesn't just stop at the border. So they got him. He was able to buy a 50,000 watt radio station, which is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Like the stations around here are 5,000 watt stations. Wow. So this was like national radio. Yeah. It was far reaching hundreds of miles. Yeah. And they set it up literally on the border and Right across the border from there in Del Rio, Texas, he set up his new medical. You know, Texas tends to take doctors who are in disgrace. Yeah. Like that one British guy with the whole autism and vaccine situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, boy, this was a hundred years ago, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? Although I don't. My voice isn't pained at all. I don't think that guy is allowed to practice in Texas. He just lives there. He just lives there. He does not have a medical license anymore. Yeah. But, you know, what What with all of the children he tortured. Yeah, he injected a bunch of kids at a birthday party. No, he didn't inject them. He, uh, was or no, offer- he took their blood or he something. He was offering them, like, five pounds a piece if he could just get their blood. And to not tell their parents. Yeah. That's something we should cover sometime, because it's bonks. Yeah. And crazy, and shockingly, he was wildly successful in Del Rio, Texas. He would have thousands of patients coming in for his treatments from all over the world. Uh, he had a bunch of fancy cars, uh, literally like dozens of Cadillacs in a huge garage. Uh, he imported a bunch of exotic animals, including from the Galapagos Islands. And he had a colossal mansion that is currently a historic site in Texas. But then the CVS to his Walgreens opened <laughs> up. A new doctor, quote unquote doctor, opened up offices in the area offering similar treatments, but for much less money and was undercutting Brinkley. Uh-huh. But, uh, and even when Brinkley tried to, like, branch out and move to a different location, he opened up a clinic in Little Rock, Arkansas. The guy followed him and opened up his own clinic <laughs> 150 miles away 
at an old hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. <gasps> oh, oh, is this is this the guy I plan to cover later? That's right. This story is connected yes! to the Crescent Hotel and Norman Baker. I have been planning on covering Norman Baker since literally our third week, and I have just never gotten to it. So please don't cover him too much. No, this is all I'm covering for him. Yeah. Okay. So that's right. This story is connected to the Crescent Hotel. I was thinking, because Austin and I are planning on going there, so we might record live from there. Not live, but we might record from there, even though, like, on-site stuff doesn't work as well when it's not on video. But, but we're also, like, you know, I think it'll work for us, because we're am- we are amateur to the extreme, and it can't be worse than what we usually do. Yeah, speaking of, guys, if you have not yet rated and reviewed us, please, please, please do, because one of our ratings disappeared, and we don't know why. <gasps> Ooh. So, but... Then it all fell apart for Brinkley again. Uh, Mexico revoked his license for those radio broadcasts after they reached a more equitable radio frequency agreement with the United States. He also lost his medical license again. And uh, there was a book published about him calling him a quack and a charlatan. Well, he couldn't have this. So he sued the guy for uh, tens of thousands of dollars or roughly the equivalent of $4 million today. And the judge looked at it. And looked at all of the evidence and said, nope, he is absolutely right. None of this is fabricated. You are, in fact, a fraud, sir. And this opened up the floodgates for lawsuits on him. He was sued by everybody. Everybody. And then, uh, and then during this happened, they started investigating his medical school. And, you know what? That wasn't entirely legit what you did there. <laughs> and he got in more legal trouble. Then the IRS started asking questions about his taxes. Because, uh, shockingly, he did not pay them. <laughs> then, in 1941, actual criminal proceedings were opened up against him by the United States Postal Service in an investigation into mail fraud. But Brinkley had become quite ill by then and was in the- Was it all of the goat testicles he injected in himself? He, did, he never treated himself with this. It was only other people. Because <laughs> he knew it was fake. Mm-hmm. But he had such advanced heart failure at that point, like a leg had been amputated due to his poor circulation. Yeah. And at that point, he had, he died penniless in a hospital in San Antonio. Oh man, I was hoping it was, I was hoping it was a hospital in Eureka Springs. I'm bummed now. No. So yeah, um, after he died, they did drop the mail fraud investigation. (laughs) And so yeah, that is J.R. Brinkley. And it's hard not to think about modern figures when you learn about J.R. Brinkley. Like Christy Brinkley, and now I'm very curious. They're not related. I checked. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Every source or article I read about him post-2016 actually compared him to Trump. Like, I am not joking. I look at the, I go through him, go through him. It's like, he's a figure kind of reminiscent of Donald Trump. And it's like, when were you published? Okay. It was like a switch flipped. It's like, oh yeah, everything about this guy is now related to Trump. But I kept thinking about a different um, doctor- who wants to be a politician in Indiana. The one that considers himself awesome. Yeah. Um, one that had to uh, testify before the Senate about how, about why he uh, heavily invested in various products before he'd promote them on his show. Cause like, you know, there's some like little very fraud adjacent things and a study done by, you know, doctors who looked at the various things he promoted and found that more than half of them were uh, either did not work or there was no evidence that they worked. Yeah. And um, if you're a specialist in a certain area of medicine, perhaps you shouldn't give advice on other areas of medicine. But, you know, I will admit this is a slightly unfair comparison. Um, 
we are talking the doctor that we might be thinking about is a television personality and uh J.R. Brinkley was best known for radio. That's true. I will say that the one we're talking about has a face for TV. He does. So I guess after this research, I feel like I always do after I investigate large-scale fraud in the past. Disappointed about how familiar everything is and a little sad that we keep falling for the same lies over and over and over. (laughs) My God, you think, I don't think people, have people gotten smarter? I don't think we've gotten dumber, but I also don't think we've gotten smarter. Well, remember, it's like in D&D, there's an intelligence score and a wisdom score. Yeah. So we've gotten more intelligent, but I don't think we've gotten a whole lot wiser. We've, uh, we've, uh, wisdom's our dump stat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it's, uh, dexterity. (laughs) Uh, And I thought it'd be constitution. Hey, I've gotten way better about constitution. So who wants questions? I do. I do. Okay. That, as you would, will, will this be on the test? Will be on the test that, as you would expect, implanting ghost testicles into your scrotum <laughs> Sorry, will you said, not. You said ghost testicles. I think you're just hearing things. I said no, goat. You said ghost. Yes, ghost testicles. <laughs> Actually, that's my new treatment. Um, send me twenty dollars on PayPal, and I will psychically implant ghost testicles into your scrotum. And if you don't have a scrotum, I will provide you with a ghost scrotum free of charge. <laughs> Yeah. Will the fact that they, in fact, that goat testicles do not increase your virility be on the test? No, because it shouldn't even be a thought. <laughs> will Will this be on the test that despite being busted as a fraud twice, uh, Brinkley nearly won the Kansas governorship be on the test? Not in a Kansas history test. Will the fact that uh, in a recent in a recent article, uh, Doctor Oz's medical claims. Uh, had been found to be false or baseless based on a study of his show. Be on the test. Why is Doctor Oz suddenly coming up? We have not mentioned him a single I know, time. I know it's this. not related, but like you know, I just felt like making this statement. Um, I don't think it'll be on a test, but it's worth remembering that you need to increase your wisdom scores. Yep. And will the will this be on the test that Brinkley literally kidnapped a child in order to blackmail his wife into staying with him? Be on the test. That would yeah yeah. So boy, uh, that's some Kansas history for you, folks. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned the other night that like in California, they use Kansas as an example of things that have gone wrong in this country in their textbooks. I, they're not wrong. And then in Germany, apparently they use uh, all of the United States as an example of modern propaganda. Yeah. Well, we use German World War II propaganda. They're using modern stuff from us. Yes. Yeah. it's great everything's fine i'm fine we're fine everything's fine fine. i think we got time for me i think we got time for you okay because he's got to go play D &D, so yeah oh yeah we got plenty of time all right so maybe this is why i was thinking about ghost testicles although i know for a fact you said it so (laughs) because i believe in ghosts but i also took sight classes in high in high school and in college and we i've talked on the show about why we're scared of dolls and what sleep paralysis is Uh, At the same time, not discounting that there might be haunted dolls and sleep paralysis might not always be the reason that you are seeing and hearing things when you're paralyzed in your sleep. Today, I'm talking about, again, the potential to create spirits with your mind. (gasps) Oh no, did I just will ghost testicles into being? You might have. Oh no. Uh, But that was the point of this experiment. It is called the Philip experiment. Now, if you watch the show Supernatural, and you should. 
You've seen the episode about the tulpa, where people focused on a particular symbol that was like on YouTube. Um, And the idea of a tulpa, according to the show, is when people focus enough energy and belief on a particular thing. So the thing they believe becomes real. That's also the first episode with ghost facers. Ghost facers. They face the ghosts when the others will not. Now, some people believe this has now happened with Slenderman because people believe he is real now. Uh, we know for a fact that Slenderman came from a competition, like on not it was something pre Reddit. It was, I think it was a it was a creepypasta competition. I think. Yeah, but we know we can trace his history. We know exactly where he came from, and we know that he, who he was invented by. But people truly believe in him now, and there are people who believe that they have seen him. He might have become real because of this. Um, so long before Supernatural, and even before tulpas became a huge deal, like they are part of a religious practice, but everything I could find was like starting in the 1990s for it, uh, there was the Philip experiment. In 1972, a group of people from a parapsychological research society in Toronto called the Toronto Society for Psychical Research, or TSPR, decided to see if they could invent a ghost and make it come into reality. The Center for Psychical Research is an actual semi-scientific group. Members tend to b- range in their belief levels. The, um, some of them are complete skeptics. Some of them are complete believers. But no matter what, for all of them, the idea is to go into a location and first try to disprove what's happening. And then if they can't immediately disprove it, try to figure it out. They are like they consider themselves a scientific research organization. And they've also brought people into like neutral locations to test them again. It's like they actually do a pretty as much as something like this can, they do a pretty solid thing with it. Like I'm all about them. Um, the ultimate goal in all their stuff is to determine whether a haunting or a psychic phenomenon or anything is real. Kind of like this paranormal life podcast, but without the humor. <laughs> This particular experiment, the Philip experiment's goal, was to prove that people could create ghosts, and meaning that not all ghostly activity resulted from something coming from the other side or like carbon monoxide or something. This group included psychologist jo- Joel Witten, who was the overseer, not actually involved. He kind of just monitored and made suggestions and Ooh. everything. It's a great job title, overseer. Mathematical geneticist Dr. A.R. George Owen and his wife Iris. Some of them do choose to only go by first names. Obviously, her last name was Owen, but. Former Mensa chairperson Margaret Sparrow. Industrial designer Andy H. and his wife Lorna. Uh, heating engineer Al Peacock. Accountant Bernice M. Al Peacock? Mm hmm. Bookkeeper Sor- Dorothy O'Donnell and sociology student Sydney K. So we have a group of people who. Uh, have quote-unquote real jobs and varying degrees of education and background and lives that don't seem to lend themselves to supernatural or magical thinking. None of them claimed to have any kind of psychic powers. They all were very clear, like, I am not a medium. I do not believe I have any special powers. I also couldn't find any evidence that they really knew each other before the experiment. This was just a random selection of eight people from this. And I think that's important. They decided to see if they could invent a character together, provide an entire life for this character, and then have a seance to see if they could summon them into reality. If they all believed in the same thing, would it exist, in other words? So they created Philip Aylesford. They made sure his existence could have been possible, using actual people and events from the period he existed to flesh out his story. They apparently weren't entirely accurate, So maybe they should have had an historian on the team. That was the only thing they didn't have on the team. Pretty much. 
But there, Philip was born in England in 1624. He was Catholic. He started in the military very young and was knighted at 16. He fought in the English Civil War. He was friends with Charles II and worked as a spy for him. He married a woman named Dorothea, and it was a very unhappy marriage. Then one day he was walking the borders of his estate and met a Romani girl named Margot. Um, if you ever look into this, every source will say gypsy, except for like Wikipedia, they will call her Romani. Um, and he immediately fell in love with her. So he had her secretly live in the gatehouse near his stables where they would have their affair. <gasps> Dorothea discovered her. And because she was pissed, she accused her of witchcraft, which meant burning at the stake. And especially because she was Romani, they were like, yeah, let's get her. Yeah, it was fun. Um, Philip did not defend her. <gasps> Philip. He was afraid of losing everything he had. So he did not um, defend her at all. And he allowed her to be burned at the stake. And then every night he would start walking the battlements because he felt really guilty about that and eventually hurled himself off the battlements and died at age 30. He lived at a place called Dittenton Manor, which actually was real, but nobody like him actually lived there. None of this is true story. They also agreed on, a, on an appearance. And one of the group members drew a portrait of him. So they all had his story and his appearance. They focused on all of this intensely, spending about nine months once a week creating and meditating on this character in a room that was not allowed to be used for anything else at the society. Ooh. Beginning in September 1972, they started their official sittings. They would sit in, a, in the space. It would be normally lit. It wouldn't have anything, you know, spooky about it. And talk about Philip. They'd meditate him and try to visualize him. The room was fully lit. Nothing happened for a full year. They did this weekly for a year. And nothing happened. So... Uh, Owen, the genetical mathematician, uh, changed the setup. He was like, okay, maybe the issue is that we're, you know, in our normal space. We're in our normal state of mind. So he changed it to be more like a seance. They decorated the space to look more like a castle. And they even found some artifacts or maybe recre recreations of them and put them around the room. That's when things started. Normal ghostly stuff at first, rapping sounds in response to questions. The answers matched up to Philip's life that they created for him. Uh, and his wrappings even answered questions they did not know the answer to, uh, developing a personality beyond <laughs> what they had invented. Philip was becoming a full-fledged person. However, anything historical was not new. Um, events were not new. There was nothing. It was just a personality, nothing that couldn't have already been created or known by people who knew anything about the time period. Then he was like, okay, Rapping, that's fine. I'm bored now. So he began to become a poltergeist. <laughs> he could turn lights on and off or dim them whenever he was asked. The table, without request and with request, would move, stand on one leg. <laughs> Breezes would blow upon request. A mist would show up over the table. And apparently the table, if somebody showed up late, would run to the door like a dog excited to see them and if it got annoyed it would trap people in corners that's amazing there is audio and there is video <gasps> what this is not just them talking there is audio there is video he himself never materialized and nothing other than the wrappings was caught on audio there was no evps some people claimed to hear him whisper that was never caught on on any audio so obviously now like this all sounds cool and scientific and all that they had to take the show on the road oh uh. They ultimately did this for audiences and on TV. So Austin, though, I found a video. And there are actually several videos. I just only had time to watch one. It's set up like my true crime shows, 
they would show the videos and then they would have experts speaking on it. Some of them were the people involved. Some of them were outsiders who were just observing all of this and going through the paperwork and going through the videos and kind of trying to explain what was happening. Um, so these videos show the table moving and jumping and responding to the questions they ask. Now, while I believe in ghosts, as you can see from our TikTok on the test pod, I am skeptical about things that yeah. are blamed on ghosts. Um, like our, our smoke detectors are also carbon monoxide detectors. I've been asked about that because of the weird shit in our house. I'm like, no, we have carbon monoxide detectors in the house. We, yeah. I've made sure of this. Uh, whenever something happens, I try to recreate it, find a logical explanation, and often I do. Um, there have been a few things that I literally can't. So more than anything, I am skeptical as hell when it comes to table wrappings and movements because of things like the Fox sisters um, and other people from the 18 and 19, early 1900s who later would t largely admit, oh, yeah, no, that was just showmanship. Oh, yeah, I could snap my toes. Yeah. And on top of that, this table was a card table, something that is easily moved and lifted. So my skepticism was like, yeah, someone's faking this. Um, now, I don't believe, I know for sure, based on watching them, not everybody was involved with it if it was faked. Um, some of, like, there was this one lady in particular who would get so excited when something would happen that she'd get, like, this big grin on her face and remove her hands from the table because it was, like, a seance situation and then be like, oh, shit, put her hands back on. Um... So clearly, like, this was the best day of her life. I don't think she had any involvement if it was faked. And then there's one Joshua Jackson-looking dude who uh, <laughs> looked a little less surprised than everybody else. But he looked like Joshua Jackson. I'm starting to think Joshua Jackson's a vampire. It makes sense. What happened, What happened, Dawson? Wait, that was Dawson, right? No, Dawson Shit. was James Vanderbeek. Pacey? He was Pacey. Whatever. It's the same person. Not Katie at all. Holmes. Not at all. Um, the thing is, though... Some of these things would not have worked unless people had their hands glued to the table. The table had strings attached. The floor had something going on with it. And the card table legs had been extra secured. Well, the floor was tile. So you really can't do a hell of a lot with tile. Yeah. Um, there were definitely no hands glued because hands were sliding while the stuff was happening. And the strings weren't an option because there are eight people around a four-person card table, so you would have been seeing them get hit with the strings. Uh, now, does this mean that I think it was absolutely impossible they were man manipulating it? No. Some of the things I'm like, that person's legs are long enough to move the table. Like, they could have been raising their knees and shit. Except sometimes they stood up. Ooh. And as everyone knows, like, when you push down on one corner of a card table, that leg or set of legs almost always buckles. Uh, and this was happening a lot. The card table is switching to two legs and then one leg and no legs are buckling. Now, like I said, they could have further secured the legs. Um, I'm far too cheap to replace broken card tables. So I glue and tape them together. Yeah. And they still buckle. So they would have had to really get into it. Joel Witten, the psychologist overseeing the experiment, was like, was also a little skeptical about this. He's like, OK, I can see how y'all be fucking with it. Let's change it up. So he brought in doilies. Doilies. So that the people had to have doilies under their hands and they would have slid around if someone was pushing or manipulating the table as an individual or a pair. They had to keep the doilies in place as much as possible. Otherwise, Joel Witten would not have believed them. And he was like, except for cases where it was impossible for them to not move, the doilies didn't move. Um, and the knee thing doesn't really work, nor does the glue thing, because the table with their hands on it would rise to eye level or higher. So even if they had their hands glued to it, the glue would have come undone. 
There are times when the table would have shaken pretty violently, which could have been done by them. Sometimes their whole bodies would move with the table, particularly during their TV appearance, which seemed very theatrical to me. And there was one point on the TV appearance where all the chairs moved with the table, which felt very, very staged to me. Now, remember, though, this was not their normal controlled space. This was more like a talk show setup and not a journalistic one. So faking that honestly wouldn't be a surprise to me. And I also noticed that it seemed very different from traditional seances in that their hands were flat on the table in many cases, not lightly touching it. Usually in seances, participants are holding hands or have their hands lightly on the table, fingers only, usually pinkies and thumbs touching. Most of the time, their hands were flat, but not every time. At the same time, when the table would move, everybody at some point seemed to naturally lose grip of the table because it would move too quickly or too tall or whatever. Um, there's one video where, sorry, it, I, uh, it autocorrected something weird. Um, the table lifts while they're standing and it's filmed from above and it lifts above their heads. Now that definitely could have been faked. Yep. Um, and, but at the same time, I feel like journalists in the 1970s would have had a field day with that because in the 1970s, even more than now, they were all about the yellow journalism and getting the shock factor and trying to debunk stuff like this. Just like and, Al Capone's vault. Mm-hmm. And if this was made today, I would not believe a word of it. We have such good TV magic. If you watch shows from the 70s, though, like I do, you know how janky the magic looked. Like even on amazing shows like Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie, which had great magic effect, you could tell how it was being done every time. Yeah. I watched this video a few times, Um, but not like I just parts of it. I didn't watch like all of it because I didn't really care what people were saying after a while. Um. I will say that I could not tell how it was happening. I could not see how things were working in most cases. Like the one TV appearance, I was like, okay, I can see how that could be happening. But the ones that are being filmed in their controlled space, I was like, 1970s TV magic could not have pulled this off. No. Um, it's like they could barely like make Lou Ferrigno. Gr- yeah. I don't think they could have handled that. They brought in a couple of outsiders, like I mentioned, for the... Um, video interview situation. The video quality isn't great, so I couldn't get a ton of information about them. They both seem to have a good understanding. Uh, Neither was involved. I believe one was either a writer or producer or both. It was kind of hard to read under his name. The other I knew was a psychologist. Um, They both agreed that there there could be some part of the brain with a human ability we just can't understand. Uh, One of them was saying that science is a step behind what human minds can do. And the psychologist said, and I really liked this, it will likely always be impossible to say with certainty whether or not people can have abilities because you need controls, repeated results, and to at least come up with a solid theory. And a control is hard to find if we assume that everybody has these latent abilities. Um, And that's true even with people who claim to have none. And a theory of why would be nearly impossible. And repeating these experiments, if everybody's abilities are slightly different, going to be nearly impossible. So he is an actual psychologist, a doctor of psychology saying, I think it's possible. I also think we'll never prove it. Yep. Which I think is fair. That's fair. Um, And that's kind of where I sit on the whole thing. I think it's very possible that there is some kind of latent ability in most or all people. We'll never prove it. Now, obviously, this whole thing is highly criticized for similar reasons. Now, then we go back to Joel Witten, the overseeing psychologist. Um, he ultimately decided the ghost stuff was a subconscious defense mechanism and their behavior had returned to childlike thoughts during the experiment. I am not sure how that can make a table tip. Yeah. 
Uh, no one in the group or any subsequent groups, because this was repeated with similar results with different groups, nobody believed they'd conjured up a person. A person did not suddenly pop into existence. <laughs> this was a thought form. Um, I do believe some of the things were unexplainable. I also think some of the things were explainable. Um, other groups, like I mentioned, recreated this experiment, varying levels of success. But when they had success, it was very similar with the tables and stuff. They also deemed their results inconclusive yeah. because they it's can't like prove they anything. Be, yeah. The thing to me that leans the most credence to this particular experiment, the Philip experiment, is they did this weekly for 10 years. Wow. 10 years of these people's lives were spent on this experiment. If they were going to fake it, and honestly, people lost interest after a while. Why? Why spend 10 years of your life when you've got families and jobs and all of that doing this every single week? Um, the experiment was replicated, which is important. My biggest red flags, Ooh. though, is that um, I couldn't find anything saying members of the group couldn't meet outside of these official meetings. Meaning a couple could have conspired together. I'm not saying they did. Yeah. I don't, I have no so sources So what you're telling me is that, that we need to repeat this experiment and invent a helpful ghost that finds your glasses. Um, our current ghost finds my glasses. Oh, perfect. So the work's already done. We don't even need to do this. Yeah. And then their appearances were undoubtedly paid for. So I put less stock in things people yeah. are paid for. But at the same time, if you're spending 10 years of your life doing this, you probably deserve to get paid. Oh, yeah. So... My results, like most of them, are inconclusive. Yeah. I am not saying the Philip experiment worked. I am not saying the Philip experiment didn't work. I think that some parts of it might have. I am not saying all parts of it did. I lean towards it being yes and no, inconclusive. Both things exist. It is Schrodinger. Except it's a ghost in the box. Yes. I have just a floating pair of ghost um, Do testicles. we have proof, though, that the when the cat would inevitably die because of the way that experiment is up, that it wouldn't be a ghost in a I box? I mean, I feel like that would be a traumatized and angry cat that would come back and haunt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing, too, and that makes me lean a little more towards groupthink being able to create something that shouldn't otherwise happen. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Because if you sit there and you put like two fingers or three fingers, however many it is, underneath somebody, you should not be able to lift them as a group, like unless you've got like 30 people. And so I watched like a video of some teenage girls doing it and it was cute. Um, and they when they did it, they couldn't do it. And then they did the whole light as feather stiff as a board, thinking about it together. And they were able to lift her. No problem. I did it as a kid. We should not have been able to lift them, and we could. So there is something to a group believing in something so strongly that it can become real. And why not a thought form? See, but if that were the case, then, like, you know, I forgot where I was going with this, but go on. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where, no, I don't think it would happen with everything. Yeah. And it has to be something that's less physical, I think. Because, you know, there are so many people who believe that Trump is president. It doesn't make it true. No. Um... Like, believing in something does not make it true, even if there's a lot of people doing it. It has to be something a little more ethereal, I think. Yeah. But, guys, can we stop trying to make Slenderman real, please? Like, yeah. yeah. Because this stuff is innocuous. Philip was not going to hurt anybody. But Slenderman has caused some real-life problems multiple times, and so we just need to not. We need to yeah. stop. <sighs> and that is the Philip experiment. Wow. That was exciting. I think we still need to try and make a ghost that will do chores for us. I was going to show you part of the video, but I knew you had D&D today. Yeah. Uh, but I'll show you part of the video later. Yes. And uh, I what might... Heck, we could throw a link in the description. Yeah, I'm going to throw. I'm gonna have you throw a link in the description, and we're going to put it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I we could put your reaction on there as well on Twitter. Okay. Ooh, or on fun. TikTok, whatever. TikTok. Um, are you ready for some questions? I am ready for questions. 
All right. Psychologists and other scientifically minded people test parapsychology stuff pretty often. Yeah, that'll be on the test. The Philip experiment seems to have resulted in intelligent responses. I think if we're covering this, yes, that would be on the test. Or if we're covering psychology, like, in general. Um, No one thinks they created a real person. Yeah, that would be on the test. The experiment has been successfully replicated. That's a tougher one. I'm going to say yes, because uh, it's... We need, to, we need to learn more about science and repeating experiments because, oh boy, science journalism does not care about that. They just care about the initial results. Yeah. Um, and with this, there is no possibility of a control. It is literally yeah. impossible to have a control. Um, psychologists think we'll never prove psychic phenomena, though that many are open to the possibility. Yeah. And there is one thing I didn't mention. Um, if you are a psychology major... Usually at the doctoral level, but sometimes at the master's level, there are schools that allow you to focus on parapsychology for your degree. It is a real thing um, where people do this. And also there are psychologists who believe in ghosts. And so they don't call their clients crazy or anything. They actually are open to the discussion. Ghosts. Make your own home, kids. Like, (laughs) buy my my kit. It comes with your ghost testicles. (laughs) Now, if you want the full ghost testicle kit with this... And remember, it is invisible. Um, we're charging $50 for that. Just it's the ghost true. testicles are 20 Yeah. But if you buy a package deal. <laughs> okay. I feel ashamed. Where can people find us? We are on Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on TikTok at OnTheTestPod, on Instagram at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook, uh, OnTheTestPod, and we are the one with the face palming statue. Uh, we are. We have a website on thetestpod.com that is in a constant state of updating, and yeah, we are the one with the face palming statue, not the ones that came like after us. Yes, we are the original, and keep the searching, OG. Search for us a lot. Search for us. Help us move up in the SERPs. Search ends and result pages. Thank you. Um, so Austin has to go play D&D. He has to be there in 20 minutes. We managed to get this episode. Boom, boom, boom. How much time was it? 54 minutes. Awesome. We are amazing. Yes. And that was the worst high five ever. Terrible high five. And I guess on that note, class class dismissed. dismissed.